You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one. to the Big Skin Cafe. I'm your host, Hampton Sipper, and today we are back breaking down the NFL divisions. And who better than to join me than the correspondent at large, Graham Haney, the Red Extraordinaire himself, Chase Haney, and the Mr. Do-It-All teacher and basketball coach, Kyle Edwards. Guys, we ready to break down the AFC East today or what? Yes, sir. I love, hey, I, love, I love how I get a new nickname every week, but I'm here for it. <laughs> well, I just hadn't found one that sticks, you know? I thought Big Nose Nick Wright wannabe was going to be. But... <laughs> that, one, that, was, that one's the most accurate. <laughs> it is the most accurate, but I don't want to insult my buddy like that. So I appreciate I'm gonna, it. I'm going to do it to him. I'm going to do it to him. But, hey, guys, let's get right into it. Um, but before we do, we always want to give a quick shout-out to our partners this year. We've got Play Action Pools, who is going to be hosting a college pick'em on our behalf, so all our listeners can go to that pick'em, compete with us week to week, uh, picking college football games, maybe even some NFL games, kind of depending on how the season goes. But be sure to follow them on Instagram and Twitter uh, for up-to-date info on that. And we're proud to partner with Graham's Vintage Clothing. Um, where you you know he has vintage streetwear for tea sweatshirts jerseys and more vintage clothing on his instagram and their website shopgrams.com graham's a great guy great listener of the show um we're going to have him on later this year too to talk a little alabama slash scc football um he's partnered with slade bolden and the jai hall great guy just uh, be sure to follow those guys and support all the great work they're doing so without further ado Let's get down to business. So, I looked at the odds. We're doing the AFC East today. And the projected odd odds for, like, the finish of the league, we've got the Bills at one. We've got the Miami Dolphins at two. The New England Patriots at three. And the Jets at four. And unlike last week where I kind of disagreed with the experts in Vegas, I agree with this list. I think Buffalo, after breaking out last year after Josh Allen made a big leap, Stephon Diggs, you know, and that trade coming over was huge for his development, along with offensive coordinator Brian Dable. Then they add Emmanuel Sanders to go along with Cole Beasley in the slot. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are two good up-and-coming running backs. Uh, their defense is solid. It's well-coached. Uh, the Edmonds guy that plays linebacker for them, really good player. Trevavis White on the outside. Levi Wallace is a solid number two corner. And you got Ed Oliver in the middle. They picked up Greg Rousseau in the first round of the draft this year. Wasn't very high on him. Um, he's kind of, to me, a little bit of a stiff player. Um, not overly – not overly is not the word. Maybe not supremely gifted athletically. He's a good football player, but I didn't love that pick for him. Um, but I think their offense is going to be dynamite. Their defense will be solid. I don't think they're going to be a dominant unit. Uh, but I think with Josh Allen 
Um, he's going to involve himself into the MVP conversation even more so than he did last year. So they're my number one team. Um, Dolphins at two. Um, I'm already ready. I've taken um, the pre-workout, whatever I need to take, because I know I'm about to get a beating um, <laughs> about this pick and about Tua Tungavailoa, who's going to have a breakout year. You heard it here first. He's having a great training camp, has really excelled. Um, I think he's fully confident in that hip again after being about 60 to 70% healthy last year. They've added weapons around him with drafting Jalen Waddle in the first round. Uh, Will Fuller, they added in free agency. Albert Wilson's back after opting out last year. Their defense, they drafted Jalen Phillips, traded for Bernardrick McKinney, uh, signed Adam Butler for the Patriots, who's going to be a nice uh, addition to their defensive line to help them stop the run even better. They shored up the Xavier Howard situation, drafted Javon Holland, um, as a safety in their secondary to kind of be the future there. And there's just a really well coached ball club. And I think they're going to um, – I think there's even a chance that they may compete for that number one spot. I'm not going to go ahead and predict that they're going to win the win the division, but it would shock me if it was closer than uh, most people think. Patriots at three. I liked some of what they did in the offseason. Spent a lot of money, but – I don't know if that translates to them being just infinitely better than they were last year. I think it helps more that they got Dante Hightower back and some of those other opt-out guys um, from last year. Uh, it's going to be interesting with their quarterback situation. Cam Newton and Mac Jones are competing for that one. And I think it's kind of neck and neck. So who they ultimately decide to go with will be interesting going forward. Don't love the receivers. And so I think whoever the quarterback is – is going to have some issues there. But I do like the two tight end acquisitions they got in Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. So I've got them at three. And then finally, no surprise to anybody, Jets at four, drafted Zach Wilson, have a couple nice skill position players. I like their offensive line. I like some of the uh, pieces they have on defense, like Quentin Williams, C.J. Mosley coming back. Their secondary is awful, atrocious. Um, they're going to get passed on for days, especially in this division. So I've got them coming in at four, but I do think credit to, um, I think the general manager, Douglas, he's done a good job of drafting over the past couple of years. And I think eventually they may get to a point where they can compete with Robert Sala, but it ain't going to be this year. Um, and the last point I'll make before I turn over to Chase to kind of see what he thinks about uh, what I, my projection of the rankings in the East. I think the thing that may, if anything, if Miami doesn't finish second, I think it's going to be because of that offensive line. Austin Jackson struggled mightily in that preseason game against Chicago. Solomon Finley had been, um, hadn't had a great camp. And I just think they got a lot of leaky spots on that offensive line. And that's definitely something to monitor kind of as we go forward that in the running back position. But Chase, I kind of broke down what I thought of the division. Uh, what do you think of my rankings, and do you agree with me or disagree? Yeah, man, this is this is a really fun division. Um, one thing I like to think about, man, is I mean, they're always talking about, you know, when does when does that QB take that next step? And it was interesting to hear you talk about how you think that Josh Allen still had, like the best is yet to come. Um, I'm trying to wrap my mind around what that team looks like this year. Yeah, because I like I like them. I like them at the top of this division. 
but do I like them to win a Super Bowl was the question that I had in my mind the whole time mm-hmm. that you were talking. And I, I just don't know if they quite have it yet. Um, I don't. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, and, and just a, just a quick side note. I think what's also interesting, just on a, if you're if we're talking about the team itself, like dude, they, they're trying to figure out like if they're going to stay in Buffalo. Um, I, I saw a day where the I think it was the GM said like basically Buffalo and New York have to make a decision whether they want a football team or not, which I thought was really interesting because they uh what they're wanting to do is you know they want the taxpayer money to pay for the stadium, which you know that. I'm glad that our taxpayer money is really going to something like football, you know, <laughs> I mean, let's, yeah. let's, let's America. put a pin in that. Maybe we can come back to that on another day. But uh, I mean, this, this team, I think they end up staying in Buffalo. Their fan base is so loyal, but uh, yeah, just, just some things going on. And, and I, I, I think it's awesome. They nailed down Josh Allen. I think he's a great QB fits that team really well, but can they make the next step? We'll see. Is, is, is Dable still like trying to interview for his next coaching position or is he like content where he is? Um, I think that'll kind of set the tone. Set the th- this division is theirs for the taking because I don't, I don't, I don't. I see what you're saying with the Dolphins, but man, I, I don't know. I, I'm really interested to hear what Kyle and Graham have to say because I, I think that we're going to talk a lot about those the, who comes in second and third. I think the Jets at, at four makes a lot of sense. I don't think anybody's really doubting one and two, but who's two? It I'm sorry, one and four, but. Two and three is where this conversation gets really, really interesting. Agreed. So I actually don't I don't want to spoil it. I, I think that, that Kyle probably has a better oh, analysis of why he might place the Dolphins at two or the Patriots at two than, than I might. And like I said, I'm just trying to form my opinion on this because I, I think the Patriots got better this offseason. And I don't think anybody here would disagree with that, but how no. much better did they get? And I think this sounds this sounds like rude. And being an Alabama fan, I don't mean for it to come across like that, but Tua's really got to decide if he wants to be an NFL quarterback. Like, and I, I, they're setting him up. I hope to be successful by not having Fitz Magic sitting behind him. And every time that Tua looks like he's at like in a big situation, they just pull him. Like, I I think maybe getting that kind of out of the system, getting that out of the team. Love Fitz Magic, but that that's just not how you build a confident team and that you know the teams the players need to know who's the number one quarterback so i'm not going to pick with shit i, I want to hear what you guys have to say and almost try to convince me as you're arguing this graham and hampton i mean graham and uh kyle but uh kyle i want to hear what where are your thoughts at what, what do you see i guess this whole division but specifically two and three yeah definitely i think uh this division is probably the most entertaining division where we already know who's going to come in first um i, I think i think there's I'm not going to say the Bills are a lock, but I think we would all be pretty surprised if the Bills do not win this division. Um, but, however, I think where the most fun is, um, is when we talk about this division is the home of arguably the greatest Alabama quarterback. Um, and that's Mac. And that's Mac. Shout out to our boy Shep. Shout out, Shep. And that's that's Mac Jones. I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, it was it was an absolutely flawless year like last year. And and if we just think back to the last time Belichick had two pretty good tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> it was killer. <laughs> I mean, they were just killing folks left. They <laughs> murdered it. <laughs> 
But then, I mean, Belichick kind of got left hung out to dry. <laughs> Shoot, I don't even know where I was. But anyways. Matt Jones uh, being the best quarterback in yeah, so Matt, football history. Wait, Hampton, can we clip that? Hampton, Hampton Sipper just said that Mac Jones is the greatest quarterback in the history of Alabama football. I, I, I mean, not I, say I, that. I, I agree with you, brother, word for word. Um, no, but anyways, on a more serious note, uh, the Dolphins are an interesting team. Uh, ever since Twitter added their new feature where you can see, like, what people you follow like, man, you'd think Tua is the next greatest thing ever from because i mean all my timeline is nowadays is seeing all these dolphins tweets that hampton like him Tua yeah, throws yeah. a strike seven yards across the middle <laughs> this kid's gonna be great people who are doubting him are gonna be crazy but all i want to know is who's gonna be the scapegoat this year mm-hmm. last year it was uh the oc didn't give him the keys him and uh... fitzpatrick were going back and forth Tua was never comfortable fitz magic would come in in the second half none of his None of his wide receivers could get separation. He didn't have they any couldn't. weapons. They it was didn't. this. It was that. I'm just trying to know who's going to be the scapegoat this year. Um, now, you, Hampton, you were saying you think two is going to have a breakout season. Now, I'm curious to what you mean by a breakout season. Is a breakout season where, oh, he might get another chance next year where he progresses a little bit? Or is a breakout season like – this dude's got a chance to – this dude – like how we view Josh Allen now, how he kind of blew up. Is that the kind of breakout season you're expecting? I'll let you kind of take over for a second because I'm actually really curious to how you define breakout season. So I, th- I would say breakout season for Tua would be 35 to 4,000 yards passing, around 25 to 30 touchdowns passing, along with maybe three or four rushing and like eight to ten picks. I okay. think if he has that, that's a breakout year. I'm not – How many wins? See, I think it's very interesting how you didn't throw wins in there. Well, because I'm talking about an individual player. Okay, that's fair. So, But, I mean, I think if he plays that well, if, like, realistically what I laid out, if he does that, they can win 11 to 12 ball games, and they'll be in the playoffs 100%. See, I'm, I'm big on results. I am a results-oriented person. Now, it's really funny. Um, I see tweets that Hampton likes all the time. It's like, Tua looked great. Tua was fantastic. But he did he did have an interception in here. He did make a really bad mistake here. He did do this there. It's and it's like, I, I'm, I'm, but I would rather have a guy that's <laughs> – Perfect. You. Go ahead. I'd rather have a guy that's perfect. <laughs> I would – no. I want to see a guy that knows how to finish. Give me a finisher. Give me a guy like Matt Jones who's going to finish the deal. And I. <laughs> you know who finished the deal? When he went in the second half of the national championship game as a true freshman and put his mark on that Georgia defense and threw a 45 yard touchdown to Devontae Smith, he finished that game. Go on. But he didn't finish when he got hurt. And that's honestly my biggest. Oh my no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, I didn't mean that as like a derogatory thing towards Tua, but I mean that as a serious thing. Do we? I think it's a legit argument to worry about his health. I mean, you were, you mentioned how you 100%. think it, he trusts the hip, but do we think that he's going to be able to play a complete season this year and with no injury problems? I mean, are you? How confident are you right now that that Tua can go into this season and play every game? Pretty confident. And here's why. Here's why. So, people point 
to him being injury prone. And granted, he did get injured at Alabama. I'm not going to dispute that. But in 2018, Tua played every game. Now, that Georgia game, the SEC championship, he did get hurt and had to come out of the game. But he played in every game. And in the NFL all the time, okay, we don't consider Patrick Mahomes injury prone. But Patrick Mahomes has missed a bunch of games. I mean, he missed a bunch of games last year. He got out of the AFC championship game – or not AFC championship game, AFC divisional round game versus the Browns. And Chad Henney had to make a third and ten, fourth and ten run to win in the game. But we don't talk about him being injury prone. Because he's and already been there and done that. I know. Yeah, but two in college have been there, done that. Two was but this isn't best. college. I know it's not college. I know it's not college. But even last year, he – he missed one game, I think, because he hurt his hand against the Jets. But if he, if it was a big game and they felt like they actually absolutely needed him, I think he could have played. But in the offseason, he got himself a trainer and got to actually train for the first time as an NFL player. Because last year, all he was doing was rehabbing with his hip. He didn't really get to train. And you can tell the stark difference in his body this year. He looks much stronger. He looks, um, honestly, the best he's ever looked. And I think – shut up. Um, <laughs> I think – and I'm not trying to – I'm sorry, this, just sound, this sounds like a UFC, like, fight camp. Like, man, look, he's looking the best he's ever looked. It's like it, – I mean, it, it, it's kind of like people who say that, that they're like their breed of dog is the smartest breed ever. And it's like, look, there can only be one smartest one. breed out there. Not everybody can have the smartest breed. But go ahead, Hampton. I knew what you were trying to say. No, I know, buddy. You're fine. But at Alabama, when Tua was there, and Chase, you know this is a straight fact that I'm about to tell you. I'm not trying to pull, pour salt in a wound. But Scott Cochran, when he was the strength and conditioning coach at Alabama, there were a lot more soft tissue, ligament-type injuries, lower body injuries than there are now because Alabama got a new sport, science, new strength staff. And they rely heavily on analytics and, you know, ligament and strengthening and all that good stuff that Cochran didn't. And injuries reduced, I think, by over 50% last year. And I think this offseason, the guy that he has as his trainer has focused on that similar type stuff to build, build that hip up, where now apparently the hip he injured is stronger than the hip that wasn't injured. And I think you can't discount how – traumatic that hip injury was I mean that most people if they had that injury to their hip it would take them a couple years to learn how to walk again I'm not exaggerating um it was a very very brutal injury and he's still like we talk about Tua last year like he sucked he put up the same freaking stats as Joe Burrow they're identical but Joe Burrow threw more passes but they're literally identical stats but Tua's team won more and I'm telling you this year, you're talking about, oh, he threw a seven-yard slant. The dude is throwing <laughs> bombs this year in camp, and I get his camp. But to add like two, it doesn't throw the ball deep, I think, just that's not a fair assessment to me because if you watch him in Alabama, anytime he was healthy, that dude was chunking the ball deep. And I think with the new strength staff, an offense that's actually built around him instead of Jane Gailey, who needs to stay his butt in the retirement home because he sucks – and he didn't trust Tua because Fitz was his guy. I, I think, think Tua's voice for a good year. 
And I, if he if he doesn't perform, I'll be the first one saying Tua didn't perform. He didn't live up to expectations. But I don't think I think he's going to prove me right. See, but I I want to go back to my main overall my main overall question I asked earlier was who was going to be the scapegoat? And you you just brought up that the scapegoat when he was Alabama was Scott Cochran. There's always a scapegoat no, with Tua. I, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying with his Sure injury, is what it sounded like. I'm not saying that. With his injuries, I think that was definitely a key contributing factor. 100% I do. Go I've ahead. got a I've got a question. <laughs> Graham, that what awkward are, silence was our transition to you. <laughs> I, I hope so. I, I mean, we're spending 10, 15 minutes talking about Tua Tonga Vailoa. Are you shocked though? Who's gonna lead the Miami Dolphins to a first round exit in the playoffs? If they're lucky. I mean, they make the wild card game and you know. That's they a big step forward for the franchise if they made the playoffs, even if they lose in the first round. Oh, I didn't know they got a ring at the end of the year if they made the wild card game. Hey, they get the Oakland – or not, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders award. They get to hang a banner because, like, when they beat the Chiefs, the, their season was won. If they win, <laughs> if they get to the playoffs, season's over. Might as well not even play. Hey, well – I, by the way that by the way that you are talking about it, it it sounds like the Miami Dolphins are already just in the bus riding around the stadium I mean like it, the moral wins that's what I'm hearing I mean I'm hearing that if Tua just has an average year preach that 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 Hetman's gonna fall over and just you know be so excited that what are you talking that, about Hampton, you're defending Tua Tungavailoa like he's your kinfolk. I mean, he, he's just a quarterback in the NFL. Like, you don't have any money behind him. That, no, we, know of, that we know of. That we know of. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. This man seriously got a couple thousand on Tua to win MVP this year. <laughs> here's, what, here's what I have to say about the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, we're talking about Tua and we're talking about this offense. This offense uh, is not what, you know, Maker breaks makes or breaks this team. It's the defense. I mean, the Dolphins have you know, probably one of the best defense defenses in the NFL, in Top my five. opinion. Top and five. yeah, for sure. And so, does it really rely on Tua to make every single play if the defense can keep them in the game? I think that affords Tua the opportunity to make a few mistakes to learn um, through some of these situations. Whereas last year, he wasn't given that opportunity as much because mm. whenever things started to go south, Fitz was there to clean up, you know, the the problems and the defense was okay, but the defense wasn't as good as it was this year. I think that if the Miami Dolphins are, are going to make a playoff run, it's going to be because their defense uh, just really restricts other offenses to, you know, limited gains to low scoring. And so you, Tua maybe doesn't even have to have, you know, this – "Quote unquote breakout year in order for the Dolphins to be successful. I, th- I think that the Dolphins' success isn't on Tua's back. I think it's on this defense's back. And if the defense plays bad, then it doesn't matter what Tua does. The Dolphins are going to be, you know, in big trouble. Hey, I agree with that. Do, do you mind if I just that. ask a quick question? Okay. Who who's playing running back for them? Is it is it Miles Gaskin? Is that who's taking the reign over there? It's going to be a three man committee with Gaskin, Malcolm Brown from the Rams, and a guy named Salvin Ahmed who played at Washington, too. He's had a really good camp. Uh, he has juice, good uh, good burst, and can catch the ball in the backfield. So they're going to kind of do a three-headed monster type thing. Yeah, and, and Graham, I think – I want to hear what you have to say because it seems like 
you know, if we're talking about two, it doesn't have to like, I always think about kind of like how Kirk Cousins plays. Like he, he's not, I mean, in how, I mean, Stefanski does a great job of just making it not really where the quarterback has to ball out. But what do we make, <coughs> sorry, what do we make of like, you know, when you don't have like an elite backfield, when you've got several guys that are taking it, like, Who's the anchor back there? Is I guess what I what I'm I'm asking you, Graham. Is this is this Waddle? Like like what do you see on offense? Who has to be that anchor for them to be successful? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I, I, I this sounds not like cliche, but it, it all comes down to the offensive line. I mean, I I don't I don't I'm not able to see or put a picture in my mind of Tua having a breakout year of this offense being explosive if this offensive line doesn't get better than the first preseason game. 100%. I know it's the first preseason game, but Hampton, like you said, Austin Jackson looked pitiful. I mean, I saw where the, the Dolphins added, you know, Greg Little, which might add a little bit of stability to that offensive tackle spot. But this unit as a whole is very, very disappointing. I mean, I I just don't, like I said, I just don't know if Tua can have a breakout year, if, the, if these running backs and receivers can be big play threats, if this offensive line – doesn't allow you know it doesn't protect to it doesn't you know open holes uh for the running backs to get through and so like i said i th- i think the biggest thing is going to be this defense um you know when when you look at the you know the dolphins offseason you know on offense you know they added will fuller who's a, a big play guy a deep threat and they added jalen waddle and so th- those are you know two guys that will definitely make a difference if allowed to but this offensive line, they might be only good enough to allow Tua to throw quick slants, and so mm-hmm. I mean, you, you might not have you might not have time for Will Fuller to get forty yards downfield or for him to throw a hail mary if this offensive line isn't able to uh, protect you know protect Tua. And so, Chase, to answer your question, it, it comes down to the offensive line, and I, I think that you know we're a podcast that really talks about the trenches a lot. You know, quarterbacks are a whole lot less important than the offensive line. Not the fact they're not important, but if you don't have a good offensive line, a good defensive line, then it's hard for a good quarterback to be great. It's hard mm-hmm. for you know the, these you know, talented players to to make the best of their opportunity if they're the people that are uh, in the trenches in front of them you know aren't up to par. So um, I hope that answers Hampton, your question. But go yeah, ahead. yeah, and and I want to kind of throw it at Hampton with really the same question, but Hampton to put a little spin on it, um, man. Do you think that they have the offensive line for Tua to take the next step this year? My honest answer is I don't know. And the reason I say I don't know, like Graham talked about, Austin Jackson, and I get it's preseason, but, man, my boy Wode swap a lot better in high school than Austin Jackson did <laughs> on last Saturday. All right? Solomon Kenley. He's there washing the windows. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Solomon Kinley, trash. Michael Dieter, solid, not great, not bad. Robert Hunt is a legitimate good player on that offensive line. He plays right guard. I like him. Jesse Davis was not great. He was all right when they ran, like, right at you. But if you want him to get outside on on a zone play, no bueno. And I think the only saving grace that they're going to have and – it again, this might not even be their saving grace. It might not even work out this way. But with the added speed of Waddle and the added speed of Fuller and even Albert Wilson to a lesser extent, the defense has to account for that. 
So you got to kind of play too high against them because of the threat of Fuller and Waddle speak stretching you horizontally and vertically. Okay, well, that in and of itself will open up running lanes, hypothetically. And so you just got to hope with those added additions, maybe it'll take a little pressure off that offensive line and they can kind of scheme around it. Now, when it gets playoff time, I think it's going to definitely be an issue if they even get to the playoffs. But there are little things that you can do to kind of work around so-so uh, offensive line. And there's a chance that they can gel and become better. I mean, I know, you know, being an Alabama fan, I remember it was twenty, yeah, 2019, Alabama's offensive line, first couple games, couldn't run the ball, didn't look really well. And then finally they got the right pieces in there. They added Deontay Cornbread Brown back to the big, back to the mix. And all of a sudden they look like a top five offensive line in the nation. So it takes a while for those guys to gel, especially considering they're all very young players. And so that would be my answer to that, that I think um, they could prevent this. I think they're the, the linchpin of – where this team goes, honestly. I think, Graham, you made an excellent point about it's not all on Tua, and I don't think it's all on Tua. I mean, football's a team game. I just think their ability or inability to protect him and run the ball is going to be what makes or breaks hmm. their season. Yeah, I, I, just don't, I just don't think Tua can have a breakout year if this offensive line isn't at least par. Average. I mean, yeah, yeah. If, they're, if they're on average, then – then Tua doesn't really have a chance. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, love Tua so much that it's hard for him to make a mistake. And then there's a lot of people that just strictly criticize Tua because, you know, he gets hurt because he was before Mac and Mac played so well. But, you know, in the NFL, same thing with college football, you know, offensive lines are important. And if, you know, the most important guy on this offensive line has to be Jesse Davis. If the guy blocking Tua's blind side is not, uh, you know, successful if he's not decent then Tua doesn't have much of a chance and so uh, I, I try to be you know not unbiased but I try to try to t- take that in consideration whenever I say you know Tua could have a breakout year or Tua's playing really bad like there are other factors that just you know Tua making one throw or another one decision or another like if if, if he feels you know if he's always having to run for his uh, you know his life back there mm-hmm. you know then maybe he doesn't have the opportunity to make as great of decisions all the time. You know, yeah. I think when you look at great quarterbacks around the league, they all have good offensive lines that can at least keep them upright for a while. And so um, I think that's probably the most important factor of the Dolphins this year. And I think my last point will be before I kick it, kick it to Kyle to see what, you know, who he's actually going to pick to finish two and three in the division. One thing too, it does need to improve on and, you know, it's coming come up in practice, and it, I mean, it happened at Alabama, too. He oftentimes holds on the ball too long, trying to look for the perfect throw. Sometimes in the NFL, you just got to let it rip and trust your guy. Got to check it down. Yep, or check it down, and I think especially with the offensive line, he's got to get um, he's got to get more proficient and in that area. So, Graham, we've had a lot of discussion here tonight about, you know, the Dolphins, Tua, and all that, and I just want to you to give me your – projected finish like who's going to finish second and who's going to finish third in the division ultimately sure you know like i said buffalo most likely number one i would just see something you know catastrophic would have to happen in order for buffalo not to win this division um 
and then say you know something catastrophic would have happened for the Jets, you know, to be able to come back. I mean, I think that it would take not only just the Jets playing well, but other teams playing very bad mm-hmm. around them. I think the Jets have a bright future. I think that they're, they're drafting well. They've hired the right guys. Um, but I, I would say that you know Buffalo's one, Jets are four. But to me, I think I have to go with the Patriots second. And, and for this reason, you know, I, I think that, you know, Bill Belichick, the best coach in NFL history, I mean, is able to develop and create Super Bowl winning teams over and over and over again. I mean, there's some players that stayed the same in Tom Brady, but there's a lot of turnover. I mean, they, they've they had to replace several guys along the way. And this offseason, we saw that they spent a lot of money on free agents. And Bill Belichick is definitely not like Jerry Jones. You know, Jerry's willing to sign sign the check, cut the check, give the money to almost anybody. If, if you please him, if you smile at him the right way, he's going to sign the check for you and uh, make you a rich person. But Bill Belichick is sometimes hesitant to give those uh big checks away, sign those free agents for a lot of money. And last year, I think that was kind of the you know, culmination of that, that there wasn't much outside development outside of the draft. And so to me, I, I think that the Patriots probably are number two. I, I don't think that um, to, I, I'm doing that because I think that they're safe. You know, okay. I think that, I, I think that, you know, the Dolphins, uh, Dolphins offense, you know, if they play well, then they they could easily be the number two team. But if they don't play well, they're number three for sure. And mm-hmm. so to me, I think that New New England's the safe pick. I think you know Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels are are going to put in, put together good game plans and, and be able to at least scratch out you know more wins than the Dolphins will, and be at least consistent with it. And so to me, I think I've got to go New England second and the Dolphins third for that fact that it's a long season and, and you know, usually a team that's consistent is successful. And so mm-hmm. I, that I'm going to go with the consistency of, uh, you know, Belichick and, you know, the free agents reloading this team, you know, on, on defense. I like their offensive line and I think Cam Newton, you know, if he's the starter, I definitely think he has a better year than he did last year, but you never know back. Jones Can't get the, worse. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, Mac Jones, you know, probably a guy that he, he could definitely win that job. I don't know if it's week one or, or week six, but I, I think the, the Patriots are in good shape and they're, um, they had moves that, you know, kind of reassured their team that, you know, we're still in the win now kind of mode. And so they made a lot of additions and uh, I really like them. So I, I think that I'm going to take that consistency um, and give them the edge over the Dolphins. What do you think? So, you know, as I kind of stated earlier, I think it's going to be Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets. Uh, you know, I can't really disagree with your analysis. I mean, it's hard to go against Bill Belichick. They have a solid defense. They're going to have a solid offensive line and run game with Damian Harris and uh, Sony Michelle if he doesn't get cut. Um, even Ramondre Stevenson really showed out in their first he, he had a great he, game. I mean, over 100 did. yards. I mean, it was really great. Yeah, and like 10 or 10 to 17 carries. I mean, he was a monster. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to, you know, be good from that aspect. I'm just going to go with Miami because I think their defense is better. And I really believe two is going to have a breakout year. 
I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP candidate, nothing like that. I just think they went 10-6 and six last year with a really good defense and a mediocre offense, and I think their offense is going to be infinitely better this year than last. Um, but I will say, I'm going to say two things, and then we can wrap up um, and get to fantasy. If they finish behind the Patriots, there are going to be some – uncomfortable conversations going around that front office in Miami with all the draft capital that they've had and all the resources at their disposal and to finish third in that division, um, especially when last year was a big leap forward. Uh, not going to be good for that regime. I'm not saying people are going to get fired, but there will be, there will be some changes made. Uh, mark my words on that. <laughs> and I will say something Chase said earlier about you know, is Buffalo really a team that can compete for the Super Bowl? And I don't, th- I don't think they're in the upper tier of like a Kansas City or Cleveland. I just don't think their roster is at their at that level. And I'll make one point that I don't think a lot of people have talked about. You know, Josh Allen had a great regular season last year, but last year in the playoffs and the year before in the playoffs, he came up short. He came up small. I mean, he did not play. You know, they beat the Colts, but he did not play very well against the Colts. He almost cost him the game with that fumble. Um, you remember him running around and almost fumbling the ball and giving them a chance to win the game. And then when they played, um, then they played the Ravens. I think they won like ten to three. Like he didn't. He didn't play particularly special. And then you know they go to Kansas City, and he. Um, I don't think he played very well in that game. And then the year before that, he lost to a Texans team in the wild card round after another inexplicable, um, just kind of dumb mistake, um, like a rookie type of mistake. Mm-hmm. And that's something to monitor this year. Like if they go to the playoffs and they come up short again, it's because he hadn't played to the level that he did in the regular season. There's going to be some interesting conversation about him either, or about him too. Uh, so that's something I definitely. Um, and looking forward to monitoring. And I think Kyle said it best. This is the best division where we think there's a presumed winner. Um, but the rest of, you know, the division two through four, um, but mainly two through three is really interesting and uh, will be something we monitor throughout the year. But uh, Graham, you know, before we get out of here real quick, you know, last week we talked about some fantasy sleepers that we were, we want to tell our listeners about, you know, while they're drafting a, like a kind of a late round fine. So really quickly, you know, like a sentence or two, give me who that player is for you and why you think that. Yeah. So I, I'm going back to the well that I did last week. Uh, I'm going to go with the tight end position and I'm going to go with John U. Smith, a guy that was signed um, from the Titans to the Patriots this year. He, he had a pretty good year last year, got, caught a lot of touchdowns from Ryan Tannehill. And uh, a stat that I found that was just really interesting about this was uh, is from Fantasy Pros. And uh, out of all the tight ends in the NFL, the number one tight end with the best strength of schedule, which is just simply matchups. And we know that mm-hmm. with tight ends, matchups are everything. True. The Patriots, John o. Smith and Hunter Henry, have the best strength of schedule for tight ends this year. And so I, oh, I think that's good stat. I think that's good matchups, and uh, if you know Mac is able to win that job, I see lots of uh, you know play action boots, 
And usually lots of those end up with dumps to the tight end, lots of catches, um, and maybe some touchdowns. And and we know, you know, looking back that the these good Patriots teams always had good tight ends with you know Gronk and, and the connection with Brady. I think that if the Patriots want to be successful, they're gonna have to have a great tight end um to, to help lead the way, especially with the you know, lack of you know, superstar talent at wide receiver for the Patriots. I don't think many of us are in love with that room. So I'm going with Janu Smith. But Hampton, with this fantasy breakout player in the AFCE, are you going with a uh, wide receiver somewhere? Graham, you might be on something. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Elijah Moore from the New York Jets. I like that. And the reason, and the reason I say this, uh, the dude is a, was a player at Ole Miss. Um, other than you know when he cost him the the egg bowl by peeing <laughs> um, peeing on the fire hydrant, go uh, dogs, I guess go to, yeah hell state. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's a really really electric player. Um, not only is he good in the intermediate game where you give him the ball, he's good after the catch. He's also a deep play threat downfield, and I think he's going to be Zach Wilson's best friend. Because, I mean, they signed Corey Davis, and, I mean, he he had a good year last year, but I'm not counting on him to just instantly turn into a number one receiver. Mm-hmm. And I think Elijah Moore can be that guy at the slot. So that would be um, that would be my kind of breakout player. And then real quick, um, before we go, I want to read Woj Suave would, wasn't able to join us tonight, but he did send in a list of some of his breakout players, and I'm going to just read a couple of them. Um, so for the Patriots, he has Damian Harris, and then he has your boy John M. Smith that you talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so Swab so was thinking I, right with you on that. Yeah, I, I think that uh, just to talk about Damian Smith, the Damian Harris for just one second, I, I think that um, the Patriots are really going to have to run the ball this year to be successful. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think that they, they have the offensive line to do that. You know, you, like guys like Trent Brown, you know, Isaiah Wynn. You know, I like that offensive line and the ability to to create holes. So I, I like Damian Harris as a a good breakout player. Yeah, and then another player that he has uh, is a guy that we talked about earlier, in Malcolm Brown from the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'd be, you know, he'd be, I think, a quality running back to get in the late late stages of the draft. And then finally, uh, for the Bills, he has Cole Beasley, my boy. Swab <laughs> loves him some Cole Beasley, so. Um, good list by him, and we just wanted to incorporate that on the pod. And I think with that, Graham, we ready to wrap this thing up? Let's go ahead and close it out. This AFC, the AFC East is going to be really fun to watch because, like I said, it's going to be really competitive. It'll be fun to see. Totally agree, man. And that'll do it for another edition of the Pigskin Cafe. Thank you so much for visiting with us today and stopping by and listening to us break down the AFC East. If you're new around here, be sure to follow us on. Uh, Twitter and Instagram and listen to us wherever you get your podcast at. Uh, we're pretty much available on every platform. So that's great for accessibility and ease of use wherever you're going. Uh, be sure to follow our partners. Like I talked about earlier in the show with play action pools and Graham's vintage clothing wear. You can follow him on Instagram. You can follow play action pools on Twitter and Instagram and be sure to support them and all the awesome stuff they're doing. We can't thank them enough for, partnering with us this year and we will be back next week i think breaking down the nfc west graham and uh you talk about another fun division that one might be along with the afc north one of the best in football and 
I would argue they or the NFC West is the best in football because all four teams are really competitive. So looking forward to breaking that down with you guys next week. And, uh, you know, thank you again so much. For, thank you so much for listening and have a great week.